a very big welcome to Now That's What I Call Sport on 98 FM. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with Jamie Moore. Yes, hello there. Good morning. Five past nine, Sunday morning in Dublin. And we have got some big questions to ask on today's show. If you're a professional footballer and you play for Ireland but you live in England, what would you buy your new dog for a Christmas present? Ireland and Preston man Graham Burke will tell us. I got um, a few treats, a few squeaky toys and a new bed which was uh, a beanbag. Leinster head coach Leo Cullen will tell us how preparations for next weekend's huge Heineken European Champions Cup match against Toulouse are going. Toulouse have been on our minds for quite some time now. Um, so yeah, no, it's an unbelievable challenge for us. You know, they were the team that we looked on with great admiration um, always when we were coming through as younger players um, trying to emulate a lot of things that they did to lose. Um, so yeah, no, it's going to be an unbelievable chance for us. We'll also be giving away tickets to that game and we'll find out just how close Dublin All-Ireland winner Shane Carthy came to ending his own life. Thankfully he's well on the recovery path now but there were some dark, dark days. And maybe it sounds funny, a funny thing for people to kind of think, you know, 18 months into my journey and I, and I win in All-Ireland and I'm, and I'm feeling suicidal, as you say. You know, it was, uh, say, a week after the, winning the All-Ireland, straight back down to earth, I was I was having these thoughts of, of ending my life. Um, I never had a particular plan in mind, but these thoughts never left me. We'll begin episode one, though, with our Irish Abroad series, part one of the new year. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store, Ilex Centre, 98 FM. Graeme Burke, welcome back to Dublin's 98 FM. Graeme, how are you and a happy new year to you? Yeah, I'm good, Jamie. Thanks thanks for having me and happy new year to you too. Yes, Graeme, thanks for having a chat. Of course, a former Shamrock Rovers man, played for Belvedere here in Dublin, played for Aston Villa and some loans at Shrewsbury and Notts County as well from 2011 to 2017 before a season and a half with Shamrock Rovers in the League of Ireland. Signed for Championship Club Preston in England in June, a three-year contract and has been back in England now for six months, spent his first Christmas away from home in a couple of years as well, Graeme. So how would you look back on your first six months back in the UK? Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed being back in the uh, UK. Obviously, I came in in July and obviously started first a couple of few games of, of the season. But then I I haven't played probably in about four months, you know. So that's been a bit bit frustrating for myself. Obviously, I've got back in the past the past three games so far. So I've enjoyed that. And that's that's been brilliant for me because all you want to do is a a football player is every Saturday is to go out is go out and play a game and obviously I've missed that but lucky enough I've I've been playing the past three games and I've really enjoyed it yeah, Preston playing later on today on Sunday in the FA Cup as well against Doncaster in the FA the FA Cup third round. Of course, is a great time in terms of all of the the smaller teams playing the bigger teams and so on. We'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes' time. Graham, before we speak more about the football, how was your first Christmas away from home in a couple of years? I know when you were in England for such a long period, you would have maybe got home at some stage when you were a teenager and when you were a bit old, you, you maybe would have had to stay there. But you guys played on St Stephen's Day. I think you played on the 29th. You played on New Year's Day as well. So there was no chance at all to get home. No, no, obviously I was, I was here Christmas, Christmas Day. It was just me, me and the girl from here Christmas Day. So obviously it, it was different to the last couple of Christmases that I have. Obviously Christmas Day is all about eating and everything like that. But obviously being a football player and being in England, you kind of have to prepare yourself for a game the next day. But you have Christmas dinner and everything, but isn't that like obviously I eat a completely different meal before I go to bed, obviously to try and feel for, for the next day. But... Yeah, it's different. Like you know, it's just obviously me and girlfriend trying to make it as Christmas as we can. Like as in, 
everything is in trying to prepare the dinner, trying Christmas trees, the whole presents every day. We had the dog, which was obviously good as in a bit of excitement for us waking up Christmas morning, having having a dog and opening whole presents. That's the only bit of excitement we probably got. But yeah, it's com- it's completely different. Like, you know what I mean? You can't really have the Christmas that what our people have is in, you know what I mean, going out, you know what I mean, doing things because obviously you have to be a professional and keep your mind on, on football matches. Yes. Now, anybody who happens to follow Graham on Instagram will know about his dog and he mentioned her there and she's absolutely adorable and features very heavily in Graham's Instagram photos and stories. What's her name? When did you get her? And it's fair to say she's like your child. Yeah, of course. Obviously, a dog is kind of like a child. I got her back when she was only 10 weeks, I think. She was born in June. So I got her in August. Like It was kind of like quite around the house when it was just obviously me and the girlfriend so we thought like obviously getting a dog would be more beneficial for us like I get us out a bit more like as in in walking or you know what I mean just something around the house other than just being the two of us and then obviously like it'd be away away a lot so it's a bit more company for the girlfriend you know but obviously it's it's great she's she's brilliant like you know what I mean and having that around the house she Day, come through the door and she's there to greet you and she's jumping all over you you kind, of, you kind of forget about things but yeah obviously it's brilliant and we're delighted to have her yeah it's something that, that lots of Irish footballers in the UK have they have dogs and you know it's it's some as you said some company as well and it's something that we forget that you know you've left Dublin again you were around all of your friends and all of your family all of the time for your period at Shamrock Rovers and then you're back over there and it's just yourself the girlfriend and the dog as well and I know you've got your teammates and there's a great Irish contingent at Preston but there is still lots of time at home kind of on your own as such yeah of course obviously I do, I do things where the boys too, but like obviously they have they they have their own wife and their own girlfriends to do things. So it's not like you're with them every single day, you know what I mean? But obviously there's there's times when it's just you and the girlfriend. You try to do as much as you possibly can. But being a football player, you got a lot of spare time on your hands, so you find yourself just sitting around, not really doing anything. You kind of have to occupy the mind and and get yourself out and try to do as much things as possible like there's only so many times you can go to pitches only so many times you can go out for food and do all them things you know but obviously it's it's different being a, it's different coming from home and it's something that obviously I've done before uh, you know what I mean coming back I wasn't there it wasn't going to be strange for me and I, I knew what I was uh, going to be getting into but obviously yeah I've, I enjoyed my time at home and it was brilliant having having everything there, but this is a new a new chapter in my life and something that I've enjoyed down the past six months and it's it's been brilliant. Now Burke, you back to the football in a second, but a final one on the dog. What did you buy her for Christmas and how much did you spend on her? Uh, I got um a few treats, a few squeaky a few squeaky toys and uh, a new a new bed which was um, a beanbag. Nice. And uh, Graham, what's her name? Yeah. Uh, Bella. Bella, nice. So Bella's very yeah, happy after already, Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was already named when we got her, so it wasn't a case of uh, case of changing it, you know. So 
we just we just stuck with the name of it. Very nice, very nice. You're on the That's What I Call Sport on 98FM. It's Jamie Moore chatting to Graham Burke here, Preston player, and of course, Ireland International as well. And Graham has started Preston's last three games in the championship against Hull City, against his former club, Aston Villa, and also against Rotherham. He played in their first couple of league games as well. Scored in the league and also scored in the League Cup, but has found game time over the previous four months from the start. Certainly quite difficult. Graham, can you put your finger on, you know, the reason why you started well, you were then taken out of the team, and now you've come back in in a really busy period. Um, I, I couldn't really, I couldn't really put my finger on one thing. You know, obviously coming and it was adapting to it in pre-season. I thought pre-season went really well for me. Then going into the start of the season, I was confident. Obviously, it was going to be a big, massive step up for me coming into uh, the championship. You know, but obviously, it started against Stoke and scored went well for me. Played in the cup went well for me. And then. After that, I, I made a few appearances and then fizzled out things and haven't obviously played since these last three games in four months. But I couldn't really tell you what, what the one thing was. You know, Jamie just tried to keep me more focused and go in and approach every day as the best I can and, and work hard, like, you know what I mean? So, obviously, being back in has, has been brilliant. So, I just had to try to have to do as, as well as I can when the opportunity comes to try and take it with, with both hands. Yeah, myself and Graham speaking on Thursday because on Sunday, when you're listening to this interview, Preston are getting ready to play at home to Doncaster at 2 o'clock on Sunday in the third round of the FA Cup. Graham, what's your, your thoughts on that game? I'm sure you'll hope to be in the team as well. And I mentioned earlier on, the FA Cup is a great competition, particularly in the earlier rounds. Doncaster are in League One, you guys are in the Championship, so it'll probably be a, you know, a tight enough game. But I know across your experience in the Cup as well with previous clubs, it's it's you know a really interesting competition to play in and, and hopefully you guys will get a win in round one or in round three but in the first round you're playing in as such yeah of course obviously we good with the game on Sunday against Doncaster it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a close game you know but the FA Cup is a competition that's brilliant to see every year the the fairy tale uh, stories you know what I mean of it and it's a it's a great competition now playing everybody from different leagues and there's always uh, hiccups for teams and obviously we'll, we'll approach the game uh, you know what I mean rightly and go into a full, full of confidence and uh, hopefully we uh, get a result Yeah Graham and of course you made your Ireland debut as well earlier in the year you played in the Irish team against Celtic you came on in Scott Brown's testimonial match in May although that wasn't an official cap a couple of days later you went to Paris in the lashing rain and came on against France at the Stade de France as well and played 20 minutes there before you scored your first Ireland goal in June against the USA. Your old Belleville pal, Daryl Enhin, shot and you tapped it in on the goal line as well. And I know I spoke to you in the mixed zone at TV after that match, but it's always difficult to kind of have a proper chat there. That must have been a really interesting couple of weeks as well because, of course, at the time you were still a Shamrock Rovers player and you were the first player since 1978 from Ireland to become a goal scorer for your country as well. So you've had some time now to, to look back on those games and a really interesting and cool couple of weeks. Yeah, of course, even listening to you saying that, Jamie, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a fairy tale story for me, you know what I mean? Still, sometimes I have to, to pinch myself and still times, like, I can't believe it. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, when I found out, they think that, like, this a player from the League of Ireland. It's got into a, got into the other squad and then, obviously, to do what I don't intend to play against France. Like, obviously, went on to win, win the World Cup and then... To play in the Aviv and, and then score like it's 
it's crazy, but it's it's a fairy tale story and something that obviously will stick for me with the rest of my life and something I'll, I'll cherish. And it's a story that I could I can I can tell everybody, the kids and everything, you know. So, but obviously, it's it's brilliant for me and a moment in my life that I'll never forget. And probably the proudest moment I probably ever have is in to put the green jersey on and the score. Yes, uh, a very rare goal for Ireland in 2018 as well. Hopefully more goals for Ireland and for Graeme in the, the coming year or two as well. Graeme, after that period, you, you know, Martin O'Neill was still in charge and you didn't always make the squads and you weren't in the last couple of squads. I know I think the last time you were actually home for a couple of days was during the last international break when maybe you'd hoped to be in the squad. So to have waited so long to make your senior debut, to play three games and then not to be in the next squads, what was your kind of thoughts on, on when you found out maybe that, that you weren't picked for those ones? Of course, obviously, yeah, coming to like going into the league in Ireland was brilliant. But obviously, coming to Preston and then like obviously not, not really been playing. It's obviously going to be difficult to try and get into a squad when you're not, not actually playing like at at your club. You know what I mean? But I think that's that's uh, the thing. Your form's got to be your form's got to be good. You can't just expect to go into international scene not playing games for your club. You know that kind of way. So. For me, obviously, it's something that I have ambitions of if doing again, and obviously, it's going to come off the back of my form. So for me, it's just trying to keep playing for Preston and trying to do as well as I can, and then hopefully, them moments come along again. Yeah, and of course, what a massive year for Ireland under new manager Mick McCarthy with the qualifiers coming up, and hopefully, some friendly games in the summertime as well. And you'll be hoping to be in those squads too. So. You know, the previous manager is gone, Graham, and Mick McCarthy is coming in, and of course Stephen Kenny is coming in in a couple of years, a man who knows you very well, and you'll still be, you know, well young enough to, to play for your country then. So you must be, you know, very hopeful, and maybe you guys all see this as a clean slate to put in some performances for the new manager, and if Robbie Keane is watching or Terry Connor is watching, to pick you and hopefully come along when Stephen Kenny comes along, you're in that squad and, and scoring goals for your country. Yeah, hopefully, like obviously. It's a, a new change now. Everything, everything's gonna change. Probably a new philosophy of of playing football, you know. But it's for all the lads, you know. Everybody will be going out trying to trying to impress Mick McCarthy when obviously he's that game. So hopefully, if he, if he comes to watch me, I can play. I can I can impress and see see what happens from there. Yeah, because I suppose you have to feel that there's a place for you in this Ireland squad because we speak a lot about the lack of chances created under the previous regime and the lack of goals scored in the last year as well. And a player like you who wants to get on the ball and wants to create things and, and wants to score things as well, I'm sure if your form is at a level that you feel is good enough, you definitely feel you can add stuff to this new Irish team. Yeah, of course, obviously that comes off the, the back of form and everything like that. And the sort of player that I, I am, I like to try and score goals and create chances and everything but obviously that'll come back off, come back off the, the form that I'm in and if I'm in great form obviously hopefully I get picked and hopefully I can take that form over to international level Graham listen thanks a million for your time the best look later on the FAI Cup say hello to the missus and of course to Bella the dog and we'll speak to you maybe over the summer thanks Graham. No problem, Shane. Thanks for having me. All of, co- of course, that's the FA Cup, not the FAI Cup. Uh, Preston North End, Graham's team, playing against Doncaster Rowers at 2 o'clock, one of a number of 
FA Cup games down for a decision today. Now, uh, Nathan and Keith are in studio. Lads, good morning. Good morning. Uh, firstly, Happy New Year. Our first live show of the year. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And enjoyed talking to Graham there about his dog, Bella. Himself and the missus bought the dog because they were a bit lonely over Christmas. And I just showed you Bella on Instagram. She's a little boxer and she's gorgeous. Quite cute. Yeah, she's yeah. very cute. Now, I wonder how much Graham actually spent on Bella with all the presents that he listed off. But i got to think, we all have dogs. And uh, if I was to buy my dogs, well, I did buy them Christmas presents. I didn't really, but I should have. I'm going to buy them. Oh, I'm going to buy them post Christmas presents, right? And my top three would be custom dog boxer shorts for twenty three euro, a dog hoodie for seven euro, and the best of the lot, a GPS dog tracker in case he gets lost up the quarry and out there for 70 euros so for under 100 quid you can get the dog loads of presents yeah well like, well, you forgot Christmas to get him something for Christmas so at least you, you wouldn't forget and you'd lose him so at least yeah. if, if you did lose that's probably a good present for you so what are you getting yours um, well I have a little miniature Yorkshire Terrier so I'd get him the world's smallest onesie nice Keith <laughs> uh, I have a mix between a collie and a Jack Russell so I probably would get like a small little kennel or clothes as well ok nice 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 but yes we're not professional footballers so uh, I'm sure the presents that they buy their dogs are a lot more expensive than the ones we buy ours uh, yeah but I think it's the same price for everything dog wise ah, yeah, like so I think they'd be in the same basket as us don't have to make designer clothes for dogs they do but I'm do sure they? we don't yeah, yeah do. there's an Adidas hoodie right there yeah, but it's only really? 7 euro Jamie only goes for the best <laughs> now speaking of presents uh, how would you like to be at the RDS next Saturday watching Leinster in a really important Heineken European Champions Cup game against Toulouse. If Blue Magic win, they'll go to the top of the pool with just one game left. We, we've got a pair of tickets to give away to you right now on 98FM. To be in to win, text or WhatsApp the word Leinster, plus your name and where you are, and the number you need is 0877 98 98 98. That's the word Leinster, plus your name and where you are, and text or WhatsApp to 0877 98 98 98. Coming up after the break, we're going to look ahead to that game with the Leinster head coach, Leo Cullen. And Dublin All-Ireland winner Shane Carty will tell us why he's living, not just surviving, after his battle with depression. We're back in a sec. 98 FMs. Now that's what I call sport. With the Liverpool Football Club Store. Ilex Centre. 98 FM. Yeah, good morning. You're very welcome back. 25 past nine Sunday morning in Dublin. It's a dull enough day, but get up and get out and go for your New Year's resolution run or walk or whatever. Nathan is back with me. Hello again, Nathan Leinster. A good win in the Pro 14. Sets him up nicely for... A uh, small matter of a Champions Cup game next weekend. It does indeed. And as Leo will say in a few minutes' time, they have been keeping their eye out on Toulouse as well. But um, Leinster had a 47 win over Ulster at the RDS with tries from Sean Crone, and he got two. The young Mullingar man, Conor O'Brien, Andrew Porter, and Jameson Gibson Park also crossed the whitewash for Leinster as they got back to winning ways following that horrendous defeat to Munster. Leo Cullen spoke to Moira Trasini Kjellik after the game. I thought we started the game well um, in terms of our ball control was good. Um, we're able to manage possession well for long periods. Um, you know, how we secure possession and move Ulster around and which ultimately lead to Sean Cronin getting in for two tries um, so it was a pleasing part of the game um, Ulster fought back well get in for a good try you know we respond pretty well to that you know and close out the half well Conor Bryan gets in for a very good individual try where he shrugs off a couple of defenders and after that Andrew Porter gets in for a good try the, the start of the second half was quite disjointed there was a lot of stoppages in the game um, and then we get a bit disjointed the way we play as well so it's definitely an area we can get better at. Um, I thought the players later in the game managed things okay. But there was the start of the second half, there was a lot of stoppages, replacements, etc. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an area we can be better at. Looking ahead, obviously, everyone who was here tonight, we're still looking forward to next week, obviously, and the big challenge coming ahead. Everyone's already thinking of Europe, and I'm sure you are as well. 
Um, yes, now Toulouse have been on our minds for quite some time now. Um, so yeah, no, it's an unbelievable challenge for us. They're a, they're a team that have a, a great history in the competition. They may have struggled over the last couple of seasons, but they've assembled a very very powerful squad and the resource that they have behind them. You know, some of the players that they're able to bring in. Um, you know, at the start of the season, during the course of the season, you know, they've added a Australian second row just this week, or just last week as well. So Rory Arnold, um, you know, they've a few All Blacks in their in their front five or in their forward pack. Um, they've so much talented French players as well in their group. So um, yeah, it's going to be an unbelievable challenge for our guys. Um, you know, they were the team that we looked on with great admiration um, always when we were coming through as younger players. Um, try to emulate a lot of things that they did to lose. Um, so, yeah, no, it's going to be an unbelievable chance for us. Finally, um, I suppose, do you ever see yourself nearly as a chess master? You're looking at your chess board. You're doing a really good job at the moment of rotating your players, figuring out who should play, who shouldn't play. But you're always taking a bit of a gamble as well. That, does that worry you sometimes? Um, every week, <laughs> selection worries me for various different reasons. Um, but, you know, I, I suppose you have to realise, like, we have to... There's certain times of the year, you know, we want a lot of players to be gone because we want them to go on and represent Ireland. That's really important to us all. Um, so with that in mind, I think it's important that we understand when players are gone we need to still try and pick up points in the competitions that we play in and that's probably why we do what we do um, but yeah no like there's a lot of young guys that are desperate to play for Leinster um, and again it's something that we would like as well to be the case um, and yeah they're showing positive characteristics at the moment and the competition is good um, which creates some positive selection dilemmas for us as coaches it does indeed and one of those positive selection dilemmas is of course the young 22-year-old from Mullingar, Connor O'Brien. He scored the game's third try for Leinster in the 30th minute. The man is looking to impress ahead of the big Champions Cup game next week and he was speaking also after the game. Obviously, with a result like that, um, plenty of positives to take from plenty of things to work on, but, I mean, bouncing back from Munster last week, um, a lot of things looked at in video, things to work on, discipline and things like that, like two yellows in red last week. The discipline this week was a lot better kept 15 men on the pitch for the whole 80 minutes and uh, yeah I came away with a win so delighted with it when you're coming in after a bonus point at halftime it's very important to just keep keep the foot on the throat not let the opposition back into the game another day it could have went you know another way after those 20 minutes if Ulster they got another couple of hops of the ball or whatever they could have got back into the game so it's kind of something we have to look at to just close out the opposition and really play for 80 minutes not just 40 minutes in the first half and then a couple of minutes in the second half near the end but look six tries we'll take it I know everyone would say no we would take each game as it comes but during the game at the back of everybody's mind must have been two loses that for me personally like I'm, I've never even played the Champions Cup game so I'm not even I'd never be thinking about that but I mean you have to as I said Ulster quality opposition you can't you have to dream though right, you have to dream of course but like you have to be patient as well and I mean uh, look there's such quality in that Leinster team I mean it's just you're training with your idols every day it's that kind of thing so without sounding cheesy or whatever but uh, um, at what point did they stop kind of becoming idols and you start kind of feeling you're one of the gang uh, I don't know when they're kind of throwing you onto the ground and train and stuff like that you kind of like these lads mean business kind of thing but you can't kind of stop and be an autumn and um, 
it's kind of a respect thing. You're just everyone respects each other, and then training so ferocious and aggressive Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and you saw it there today. Like that's the product of that, those trainings during the week. Um, those performances don't just come out of nowhere. It's a lot of hard work by Leo and Stu and everyone else, like putting in as as much effort as they can during the week and producing that at the weekend. Yeah, great stuff from Leinster's Conor O'Brien speaking to our Moira Trasany Kallig after yesterday's big win at the RDS. And next Saturday, if you'd like to be at the RDS, we're going to give you tickets. Well, if you win our competition, we will, to go and see Leinster against Toulouse in the Heineken European Champions Cup. If you'd like to be there, text or WhatsApp the word Leinster plus your name and where you are and the number you need is 0877 98 98 98. That's the word Leinster plus your name and where you are and text or WhatsApp to 0877 98 98 98. We'll be closing those text lines in two minutes' time. Now, staying on the theme of rugby for now, our man Shane Byrne, former Leinster Lions and Ireland man, is going to be with us next Sunday to look back on that game against Toulouse, but he was at the RDS earlier this week with former Ireland teammates Malcolm O'Kelly and Marcus Horgan to launch the Ireland v England Rugby Legends match, which takes place on Friday, February 1st, which is the day before Ireland hosts England at the Aviva in the opening game of the 2019 Six Nations. Now, all the proceeds from this great event, which is going on for years, they've raised over a million quid so far, will be split among five charities, the My Name Five Duty Foundation, the Rugby Players Ireland Foundation, Restart Rugby, the RFU Charitable Trust, and the Irish Motor Neuron Charities. For tickets, just search hashtag Rugby Legends or visit Ticketmaster.ie and we'll hear more from Shane on that game on next weekend's show. Now, uh, we're going to stay on the team of our roundup now and that's what I call sport this Sunday morning, Nathan. And firstly, the Dublin footballers have found out that they're going to play Mead in the semi-final of the Auburn Cup. It's on next Saturday at Parnell Park at 7 o'clock. That's after Mead beat Wexford yesterday by 120 to 113. So Mead, of course, playing Dublin again a couple of weeks after that Sean Cox tribute match, which Mead won down there in Park Talton. And this game will take place at Parnell Park next Saturday and we will uh, look back on that game on next Sunday show but uh, the footballers next weekend the hurlers a little bit sooner yes a little bit sooner later on today uh, to be uh, quite frank it's the Welsh Cup third round as Leash face Dublin down in Elmore Park in Port Leash throwing is at 2 o'clock today Matty Kenny's looking for a third win in charge and to book his semi-final spot in the Welsh Cup yes a draw does the dubs as well if they lose the match they might not make the semi-finals but for uh, Matty Kenny if they make it three wins from three they'll definitely be in the Welsh Cup semi-finals which will be a great start to his tenure as the Dublin hurling manager now it's a bit chilly in Dublin this morning Nathan but if you're playing a bit of golf in Dubai it's currently 26 degrees Celsius I'm sure it is in Dubai well It'd be nice to be in Dubai or Hawaii, in fact, where the actual tournament is. Is it not in? Is it in Dubai? Oh my God! You told me it was in Dubai. I did no such thing. But I'm sure. I'm sure sure it is quite nice in Dubai as well. I wouldn't. I wouldn't complain about being in Dubai. But um, I'm sure the temperature is nice in Hawaii. Twenty-three degrees in Hawaii. Not as not as nice, but you look. But yes, the Century Tournament of Champions is in its last day in Hawaii. Gary Woodland holds the lead, three shots over Rory McIlroy, who was in second place at the Plantation Course in Kapalua, Hawaii. Now on the way after the break. That's what I call sport here on Dublin's 98FM. We're going to bring you one of the most hard-hitting interviews we've ever done. Shane Carthy will be here in less than three minutes. 98FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store. Ilex Centre, 98FM. Hello there, it's Jamie Moore here. You're very welcome to the That's What I Call Sport on 98FM. We're every Sunday between 9am and 10am. And as you can see, we're not actually in our studio today. We're out in Hout for two reasons. One, because I live here, and two, because this man, Shane Carthy, has a very important story about a walk he took here with his sister a few years ago. One will hear more detail in a few minutes. So I'm Shane, of course, plays for Nave Marnog and also a former Dublin All-Ireland winner as well. Shane, welcome to 98FM. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. So Shane wrote a blog just before Christmas and the headline of the blog was I'm no longer surviving I'm living mm-hmm. tell me more yes so um, essentially I, I kind of 
I had said to myself, um, I've been I've been doing talks the last kind of three four years um, around my whole story, and I just wanted to get my message out there on a on a bigger scale. Um, as I said, I've done talks before, but that's very li- limited in terms of it's at a certain time, certain date, uh, at a certain place. So I just want to get my message out there that people can relate to this at one o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the day. So that was my whole thing of, of wanting to get it on a bigger scale. And, and thankfully, it looks like it has. Yeah, and if people haven't read the blog, we're going to tweet it on at 98 FM at the moment as well. But we're going to talk through exactly what is in it. And it's all about depression and mm-hmm. being a, you know, a really good sports person from your days in primary school through secondary school through winning the All-Ireland with the Dubs and through all of that period, or, or some of it anyway, you were yeah. really struggling with mental health issues and depression. Bring me to the middle of fifth year when the first signs came, because you'd been in primary school, you were sports boy of the year four years in mm-hmm. a row, you were a top school captain as well, mm-hmm. you were playing for the Dubs minors, but things weren't right. They weren't, and, uh, and as I said, it was... It was very much so from from early on. I was lucky enough to be relatively relatively talented at anything I, I threw my hand at, and in particular Gaelic football um, was my main focus. Um, come fifth year, it was a second year at Dublin Minor, and coinciding with that was actually um, a, a, a period of my life where it began. What I didn't know at the time was depression, and as you said, it was middle of fifth year when I began these to get these low moods. Um, they, they were quite sporadic in terms of I maybe had uh, you know a bad day, felt, didn't feel great once, twice a month, but these feelings and emotions that I, w- I was getting was gradually be get, uh, becoming worse and it, it began a two-year period of me just kind of bottling it up and uh, and that's how it all began. Yeah, you spoke about a low feeling once or twice a month and mm. at the time, you know, you were, as we said, at the top of your game in terms of becoming, you know, a Dublin footballer, which was always your dream, <clears throat> but those low feelings once or twice a month became more and more and more and yeah. you didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell any, anybody and the, the reason being, at the very start, I was so naive in thinking that it was there was hormonal changes going on in my body I didn't take much notice of it. As I said at the beginning, it was very sporadic. It was once, twice a month. But as the, the days and weeks and months passed, these feelings got a lot worse and a lot. They, I began to feel these more often. And I just felt like my cope mechanism, as I've spoken about, was football. And because I was so busy with it, that was a, a kind of a way out or a cope mechanism for me each day to kind of get through uh, and in particular, a, a bad day that I may have may have had once or twice, you know. So um, that kind of that period of my life was hugely difficult from the very beginning. But I always had support there as a coping mechanism. But unfortunately, as the time went on, my my thoughts and uh, and my emotions were were getting uh, gradually worse, and I just felt like I cu- I couldn't speak to anyone. I didn't want to say it to my friends. I didn't want to say it to my family. You're fair there to many years previous and in primary school that I was lucky to be up on this pedestal that I didn't like to be up on but I was in a fortunate position that I, that, that I was I was playing for Dublin football, Dublin uh, minor football at the time and I was on, the only one in my area doing it at this time and I just felt like I had a I, I had a, 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 a I'd say a personality to kind of keep up and, and this kind of poker face as I do talk about I just felt like I had to keep that up every single day Yeah, talk to me about the confidence of sport that you had and you felt that when you were playing sport that was really the only time when 
your thoughts that made you sad were gone and you know people often speak about the release and whatever of being a sports person whether you be a cyclist or a football player or a boxer once you're in the ring or on the pitch yeah. the rest of your thoughts are gone and you really did use that to try and help yeah massively and and from very very early on even even to the latter stages of, of those two years where I was going through it was uh, whether it was training a match um, my own personal training that I was doing every single time I went out there I got that as you referred to the, the endorphins and that, that, that kind of good feeling that you get post exercise and I rel- related, relied on that so much so that it was you know it was a it was the only coping mechanism that coping mechanism that I had at that stage. Yeah, and you spoke about you mentioned your you know you had the poker face and also mm. in the blog you say the mask and that you yeah. were trying to keep up appearances and to everybody outside watching you playing sport and what you're doing so well and watching you get calls up uh, call ups for the minors twenty ones and then the senior team mm-hmm. nobody kind of knew every anything anything about that. How did you handle that period when you, you felt you had to put on a mask? In public and then in private, it was a totally different story. Yeah, it was. It, it was a difficult period. It, it wasn't easy to to do. But um, as I keep on referring to, sport was there for me, and and I, and I always relied on that for those two years that I kind of went through a difficult period. Um, it was very easy for me to like you know put up that mask and like as in say everything was okay, that's fine, you know. And and I was just looking forward to the next session, the next match, whatever it may be. And I always just kind of you know I was essentially acting for for two years to, to everyone. From from my close family to my close friends to anyone outside, and I just kind of just kept on kept on going on that that, that trend, and it, it wasn't it wasn't healthy for me. It's never healthy for anyone to to do that, and, and, and you know I just felt like at still at that time I could not come out with what exactly was going on with me. So if we go to 2013, you get your first call up by Jim Gavin to the Dubs, and yeah. the Dubs you know are, are such a fantastic team, and it's always been your dream to be called up by the Dubs. You make your debut. You're involved in the squad that wins the All Ireland in 2013. Mm-hmm. And 18 months into that journey of being a senior dub, you're suicidal. Yes, yeah, and uh, and that's uh, 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 maybe a sound funny, a funny thing for people to kind of think. You know, 18 months into my journey, and I, and I win all Ireland, um, and and I'm, and I'm feeling suicidal, as you say. Uh, you know, it was uh, say a week after the, winning the All Ireland, straight back down to earth. I was I was having these thoughts of of end of my life. Um, I never had a particular plan in mind, but these thoughts never left me. They ne- they never went too far away from me, and it was a hugely scary feeling. And that's when I kind of coming up to that kind of January was when I start beginning to to have that conversation with myself. I was like, I have to speak up here. I have to like, I I didn't want to do what I was thinking, but I couldn't get away from those thoughts. You're on there. That's what I call sport on 98 FM. It's Jamie Moore here on Sunday with Shane Carty speaking about his fantastic blog, which you can read right now on that 98 FM on Twitter. And if you can't read it, he's telling us uh, here on video and also obviously listening on the radio as well. The reason we're in hope is because around this time when Shane was feeling very low, he came out here for a walk with his sister on the morning of Leinster semi-final under 21 semi-final. Uh, Lancer Fawn. Lancer Fawn, okay, so he was here and he was feeling bad in the morning, decided he had to come for a walk with his sister. Did the whole cliff walk, which is a fantastic walk, got some fresh air in the lungs. You went on the walk for an hour, but you said about five words, but you still felt listening to your sister would help. You you thought of ringing the 21's manager, Desi Farrell, to say you couldn't Mm -hmm. play. You didn't. You played, you won, you were man of the match, but you feel that this walk was kind of the start of, of, you know, some sort of, of... knowledge from your family that something wasn't right exactly exactly and I'll just bring you back to that even that morning um, how it all transpired bringing bringing um, or my sister bringing me out to to begin that walk was my mum met me in the in the sitting room um, with, the, with the with the bowl of porridge at the time because obviously 19 years of age I couldn't make porridge apparently <laughs> um, and she met me in a flood of tears 
as to why I was in a flood of tears, I don't know. She, um, she'd asked me what, what was up with me and, you know, all through even the previous two years, I couldn't make sense of why I was feeling this way. I was frustrated at myself that I couldn't convey what exactly was going through my head at the time. I just couldn't control these emotions that were, were, were ever worsening at this, at this stage. So she decided to take upon herself to, to, um, to text my middle sister married as he said and she just said listen we'll get we'll get him out we'll get him a bit of fresh air and and that began the the hot cliff walk that um that was that day you know as, as you do before Lancer finally go out on a hot cliff walk you know so <laughs> don't tell the manager yeah yeah exactly and, and that, that was the thing you know my, my sister was absolutely fantastic you know she knew she just needed to kind of get me out and break that kind of trend that I was going through need to get out of the house and a bit of fresh air um, probably not the most ideal thing from a physical standpoint, but from a mental side, it was just to kind of get me out of the house and break that mould. As I said, I spoke very little, but it was something that at least got me away from my thoughts for an hour, hour and a half, whatever it may be. But then these thoughts start bundling back into my into my head when we when we came back into the car, and as he said. I started to begin to have the conversation, will I ring Desi? I can't do this. I can't face playing in front of a, a pack crowd in Port Leash in, in, a, in a Leicester final. So, um, and, and even at that stage, that was the first time that I had, you know, as I said, sport was a huge coping mechanism for me. And that was the first time that I neglected it. I said, listen, th- this isn't even working for me. I need to I need to get help. And for whatever reason, to this day, I don't know. I never carried through with that phone call. And as he said, the rest was history. Went on to win the game and man the match, and to this day I still don't know how I've done it. Yeah, you know, one big part of most people's lives is music, and I love mm-hmm. music, but people who are very happy listen to music, but also people who are sad listen to music and listen to sad music, and yeah. I have a couple of pals myself who've gone through stuff, and I always used to say to them, don't listen to sad music because it only makes your mood worse, and they would continue to... They might put up an Instagram story of some sort of a sad song, and I'd immediately reply going, turn that off and whatever. Mm-hmm. And music is a part of this day because you were on the bus on the way to the match, yeah. and you said you didn't like the environment of a team bus, which I found strange because most sports people love being in the environment of travelling to a big game and that anticipation, but you'd made a playlist, you put your hood up, and you hoped that the music would take you out of that mood. And mm-hmm. I just found that really interesting that you just put the headphones on and, and you had your playlist ready to go. Yeah, and and even at that, I, I didn't think twice about um, how I looked on the bus because a lot a lot of people do that. A lot of people stick their headphones on and stick their hood up and are getting into the the, the mode of the game. And for me, it was it was a playlist that I had made. Um, I'm sure, as you just said there, I referred to a lot of songs like that brought me back to happy places, the happy yeah. moments that I had with my family, friends, um, a certain holiday that I went on. So I collated this playlist and and just stuck it on and just hoped that it would bring me to a better place than where I really was in my head. So, this brings us to a fantastic quote, and if you're any sports person and you're a sports player and you played at the top level, the quote reads, I was wishing every play would last forever. And that was when Shane was on the pitch winning the Leicester final for the dubs as the man of the match as well. But he didn't hang around too long for the celebrations. You went home in the parents' car, and shortly after that, a trip to Stockholm to visit your older sister. Yeah. Is it uh, Michelle? Michelle, yeah. And that was the first time when you told someone of your suicidal thoughts. Yeah, and even at that, um, the, the reason being that we went, to, I went over to Stockholm was, as you said, my sister, my oldest sister, Michelle, I confided in her and maybe a few more things than I did with my, my other two sisters and the whole thing was my mum was hoping that, you know, something, whatever I was apparently hiding, I, I would convey what exactly was going on for me. Again, it, it didn't transpire. I did let her know that I was having thoughts of, of ending my life and obviously that's a hugely difficult thing for anyone to hear and especially my sister being so far away that she felt hopeless that she wanted to to help me but I couldn't explain to her what was going on for me so she she had little to no hope to you know she could be there for me 
but apart from that she couldn't do much so um, that, 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 that trip was you know null and void in terms of trying to trying to make any progression as to an ever worsening situation yeah and at that time your parents wouldn't allow you to drive anywhere on your own and they were worried about you and it brings us to the day where you're in your dad's car on the way to you know to meet up with the team mm-hmm. and you have a panic attack yeah. and you wake up in a mental hospital effectively which you spent 11 weeks there tell me about that day and again it's a day that will stick in your memory for a long time yeah and and uh, as i said my, my, my dad and uh, my mom and everyone and my family knew exactly what was going on for me at this stage and he and he said he didn't want me to uh, to be driving to the training, so he he had brought me to DCU at the at the time where we were training. We'd finished the training session, had come and gone. Very little had happened. There was just a few walkthroughs and tactics for the for the upcoming game, and we were due to have a meeting in Castlenock Hotel. So uh, we're travelling from DCU to Castlenock Hotel, and at this stage, um, very very little was going through my head in terms of as in I was I was essentially staring into space. I just felt my heart rate. Um, um, ever, ever heightening, and and the feeling of a panic just set upon me, and I, and I just asked my dad, could he pull over at the side of the road? And as I say, the next thing that I remember, um, obviously a, a, a panic attack transpired, but the next thing I remember was waking up in in St Patrick's Mental Hospital, being uh, being greeted by two uh, two nurses that morning. And you spoke as well about you know a further weightlifting off your shoulders when the manager Desi Farrell came out publicly at a press conference before a big game to announce that you weren't going to be involved in the squad because mm-hmm. you were depressed. And, and again, that was a moment that for years you tried to hide, but yeah. I'm sure when you knew that that was going to come out, and when it did come out, that was a weight lifted that now everybody knew what was happening. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was the thing. Desi, um, I, I owe huge gratitude to him to where I am today. And we began to have the conversation after the first couple of weeks in hospital. Um, I, I was lucky in the fact that I was I was doing well from an under twenty one football point of view and a senior football point of view, and although I like to keep myself to myself, I then had to realise that I'm in a lucky position that a lot of people would love to be in. That maybe what I say or do from a social media or public point of view, it has an effect further afield. So I didn't want anyone ever ever experiencing what I had to go through for those two years. So. That was the decision that myself and Desi had made, and as you said, it became public. And um, and hopefully, still to this day, I hope I'm still striking a chord with someone to, to make sure they'll never be in the position that I I, I was. Yeah, and we're going to speak now a little about the skills and the mechanisms that you use to cope and what you do now to, to try and help mm-hmm. other people as well. And I, I lo- love the part where the, the nurse in the hospital asked, you know, what do you want mm-hmm. to try and help? And you said, shock your sports person, I want an open field. Yeah. So they allowed you to have accompanied leave as such I think it was called and mm-hmm. you went for runs with your sisters and your parents and your headphones on and that sort of stuff as well and you've spoken a lot about how much exercise is linked to mental well-being and I would agree with that totally mm-hmm. even as we've been out here in the last 20 minutes we're not exercising but we're in the fresh air yeah. and you can see the sea and it automatically kind of lifts lifts you so you want to speak a little bit about that I know you're doing lots of talks at the moment just about if someone is feeling down get out even go for a walk get some fresh air see someone speak to someone and that's something that you've been doing a lot in recent times I know you've been living in the gym with one of your good mates Connor Pepper as well <laughs> yeah yeah he, he'd be delighted that you, you've uh, you've linked in his name there but uh, no it was it was a thing that you know uh, the nurses wanted to help me um, and and they just asked what, what I needed and as I said it was an open field it was something that I relied upon for previous two years and I knew it was something that helped me um, I was very much in the open mindset of um, I'm trying anything and everything, but I knew this was a solid foundation for me to begin. And you know, I, I had my ups and downs as as depression inevitably is. You know, you, you're never going to be on a, an even keel for the, for the whole time that you're there. But I just relied upon that. And for anyone out there struggling, 
I found that as, uh, as something that works for me. It may not work for everyone, but, you know, there, there's no point in knocking it before you try it. And I always had that open mindset in terms of I had a lot of conversations with people around the hospital, what worked for them, what didn't. And I just, I always call it, refer to it as my toolbox. I always refer to, to it as, you know, dipping into my toolbox and seeing if that works for me. You know, whether it's someone saying painting helps me, I tried that. If it didn't, if it didn't help, I'll just push it aside and, and, uh, and continue on from there. But no, running was something that definitely still to this day is a huge, huge helping hand in, in my mental well-being. What else is in the Shane Carthy toolbox? Um, I would say even even the likes of this. Um, I often go on, on a lot of drives, um, stick in, as I referred to my music before, um, and just go on a drive, you know, go to, go to some scenery around, or anywhere around the country, for that matter, um, and sit there and just be... be be by myself you know I, I was never comfortable for for many years previous sitting there with my own thoughts and now I've become comfortable in recognizing what emotions are coming through in a conveyor belt kind of type fashion that you know it, it was it was a hugely kind of positive thing for me to kind of go on these drives and get that kind of you know that positive feeling that where I, where I have come from so that would be another huge thing um as I said, exercise. Another thing is just just sitting there having a conversation with someone. I I, I don't have to say much. It's a lot of what they they kind of say and just the kind of good feelings that you get from you know having a sociable conversation with anyone and everyone. You know. So some people's music playlists are very private, but mm-hmm. again, if you're going on a drive. And- don't answer if you don't want to, but what sort of music and, and songs do you put on when you're feeling good or to make you feel good? So a huge thing for me actually, was actually at the time when I was going through a difficult time was uh, Coldplay. Lovely, my favourite band. Good, good show. In particular, and funny enough, uh, a fun fact that my uh, they were actually my first ever uh, first ever band and concert that I've ever went to. That was back in 2016 when they played in Crow Park. I was there too. Unbelievable. The best. Uh, well, I, I have nothing to, to uh, refer to, but apparently the best gig that's um, that's been around in the last last while. So Coldplay would be a huge thing for me. Um, and Magic from Coldplay in particular. It's actually tattooed on my arm. The the, uh, the single uh, album uh, cover that they have is actually tattooed on my arm from bring me back to where I once was that for those three or four minutes that that in particular song was on that it brought me to a happier place and a more positive place Shane last couple of questions four and a half years on now from the time you were in you know St. Patrick's as well you've been to DCU you've gotten a degree mm-hmm. you're back playing at the top level you're hoping to play for the dubs again and mm-hmm. push for five in a row <laughs> so it's been a, an interesting four and a half years but you've, you've been able to do some really really productive stuff since then mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and, and as you said um, I, I went back to DCU or sorry I, I attended DCU and, and, and qualified in, in sports science just, just there back in November um, graduated then and uh, I, I, four years ago I, I came back into the inter-county setup. Um, and it's and it's been a top two turvy kind of uh, road for me, and it's something that I, I look forward to. It's in, in the face of adversity, I, I believe that you know you really become a stronger person. And you know my footballing career hasn't quite gone the way I, I planned, but again, how, how I think now, I'm not going to look at it as a negative. I'm going to look at it as a positive. I've been in and out the, the the last few championship panels the last couple of seasons, and um, and if and when Jim makes that phone call, uh, I'll be more than happy to to, to oblige and uh, and participate, and hopefully, as you say, five in a row. But we'll keep that keep that to another day. So, a, a possible those players actually mentioned the word five in a row. 
That's uh, very rare. <laughs> so you have you been able to picture the moment or, or, or try and think forward to the moment when and if, hopefully when, you're wearing that dub series again in Croker or in Parnell or, or wherever the game might be? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think as you referred to there uh, earlier on about myself and Conor Pepper training, training very, very hard. I, I always have that in the difficult days that we have, uh, sometimes two days, um, and, and training nine, ten times a week. In those days that you don't want to get up, I always refer to that hurt that you know, from not being around and actually seeing the lads thankfully being so successful in the last uh, number of years that it's driving me on to, to make sure that I'm ready. And as I said, if and when that call comes, I'll be more than happy to uh, to accept that and hopefully play a part in, in, in uh, their, their ever-continuing success. He was going to say five in a row there, but <laughs> he didn't. You're still seeing people, you're still seeing specialists, you're yeah. still seeing psychologists to this day, but it's not as frequent now and mm-hmm. you know you, you've spoken about your toolbox and the different bits that you need to try and help if you do feel down but you, you are fully aware that you still do need some help at, at you know at sometimes yeah absolutely and uh, as you said it's it's less frequent now and uh, when i first came out of the hospital i thankfully i, I was i was um i was referred to a, a very very good psychologist that, as you said i still see today it was more frequent at that time it was maybe once twice a week and it's spaced out now to maybe once every every two or three weeks and it's it's beginning to um you know give me a bit more independence and and that kind of eventual freedom that i'm striving for um in in years to come whenever that may be I'm not putting myself under pressure. I'm learning every day uh, what works for me, what doesn't. Uh, there's still things that that come into come into my world that I need to speak to my psychologist about, and I'm absolutely perfectly. You know, I'm I'm comfortable with that. And uh, as you said, it's uh, it's something that is still in my life, and, and I'm willing to uh, to willing to keep on going. Now, me and Shane are going to go for a nice walk around Hope. But very finally, the final quote of the blog. Mm-hmm. I know you might not remember every word for her, but will you paraphrase it for us? And and just the journey you've been on. It reads at the start. I'm no longer surviving, I'm living, and the end is very powerful as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thought it was very poignant to, to finish off with saying that depression is something that um, I, I'll need to face every day, uh, but I'm willing to, to keep up that fight, and the fire of life has been lit inside me, and, I, and I'm ready to go. Unbelievable stuff from Shane Carthy, and a lovely text from Graham on 0877989898, which reads, Jamie, seriously, please thank Shane so, so much for sharing that story. I can relate to it so much, and it's great to hear such a big-name sports star openly talk about mental health problems and issues. It's a big issue, and the more people to talk about it, the better, so we can help one another. Hashtag, take care of your mental health, and that is from Graham. Graham, thanks so much for your text, and thanks to Shane for having a chat with us. You can watch that full video interview on the YouTube page of Off the ball as well and if you were affected by anything you heard myself and Shane talking about there there's three excellent websites aware.ie mentalhealthireland.ie and pieta.ie for information and help if you should need it and you can follow Shane on Instagram and Twitter just search Shane Card he's got some great stuff up there and thanks as well to Paul Byrne on optophonic.com for uh, doing the video out there in Hoth yesterday that's it for another week on the That's What I Call Sport thank you so much for listening to all of our guests more from all of them in the podcast section 98fm.com we're back live next Sunday from 9am folks we'll chat to you later see you bye bye 98fm's now that's what I call sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store Ilac Centre 98fm 98fm's now that's what I call sport get the full show every Sunday morning from 9 only on 98fm